SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM. I'm Brad Brown. It's good to have you with us. And this is Sports Wrap. Thank you for taking the time to spend half an hour with us this evening. And thanks, too, to the MoneyWeb team. They'll be back again on, oh, tomorrow. That's when they'll join you once again. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll chat mixed martial arts uh, with the president of EFC, Kara Haworth, uh, about a deal that's been signed between EFC and the SABC. We'll also hear from Netball South Africa president, Miriam Tetwa, and we'll chat some ladies golf as well with Lejean Luthwaite. Uh, that's all coming up on tonight's show. But first, let's take a look at some of the stories that were making news headlines today. And uh, we start with football. And Group C of the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations concludes tonight. And that group is still wide open as they head into the final encounter. DR Congo, who topped the group, are on four points. They take on Togo, who are bottom on three. The night of the clash sees Morocco play Cote d'Ivoire. And literally, that one's still wide open. We'll keep you updated uh, tonight on SABC as that one pans out. In other AFCON news, Georges Leakins has quit as manager of Algeria following his team's failure to progress from Group B into the knockout stages. And if reports are to be believed, Kaiser Chiefs midfielder Willard Katsande has retired from international football, that following Zimbabwe's exit from the tournament. In domestic football news, Lamontville Golden Arrows coach Clinton Larson's confirmed Zimbabwean striker Knox uh, Mutizwa has uh, become the first signing of the summer for Arrows and he's confident of doing more business before the close of the January transfer window early next week. The coach has more on that deal. We've loaned Knox Mutizwa, a Zimbabwean striker who played for Highlands Park. He was the top scorer in Zim. He was signed by Woods University and uh, and um, we've loaned him for six months, so we're hoping he can he can come through and um, get a few goals for us. Uh, yeah, so we we're probably looking to bring in two strikers and, and and a left back. I think those are the two key areas we're looking to to reinforce. Arrows have returned to training, and Larson's confident that they're on track for when the season resumes after the recess. First two weeks, uh, generally your conditioning phase and. Uh, Wednesday we've got Tanda and Saturday we've got Amazulu so we've got some friendies lined up uh, before we play Super Sport on the on the 8th of February but yeah it's a, it's a long break um, but uh, I keep saying we get, I'm used to them now so it's just a matter of getting on with it. In European football news, Sunderland have signed former England international defender Julian Lescott on a short-term deal. And to tennis, former world number one Roger Federer's return to action continues after injury. There was also another win for South Africa's Raven class, and Chris Bowers is at the Australian Open and filed this report. The gods are smiling on Roger Federer. This quarterfinal was supposed to be the match when the challenge of Andy Murray would prove too much for a player in just his eighth match back after a six-month layoff. Instead, Federer faced Murray's conqueror, Misha Sverev, who was on a downer after his heroics of two days ago. The result was a Federer utterly relaxed and able to enjoy his tennis in a way few had expected, including himself. He batted away the Germans' challenge in just 92 minutes, playing some superb shots and suggesting he's regained a bit of the court speed he seemed to have lost in the last couple of years. And we're guaranteed a Swiss in the men's final, as Federer now plays Stan Wawrinka, a winner over Joe Wilfried Songer, who faded badly after a closely fought first set and a half. 
Both women's winners came from the same country, guaranteeing the Americans a female finalist. Venus Williams, at 36, is looking good for a first Australian Open title as she beat Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, 6-4-7-6, and now plays Coco Vandeweghe, who reached her first Grand Slam semi-final with a stunning 6-4-6 love win over the French Open champion Garbini Muguruza. And South Africa's Raven Klaassen is into the mixed doubles quarterfinals after he and Michaela Krychek beat Atuo and Lindstedt in straight sets. Chris Bowers for SAFM Sport, Melbourne. And speaking of Raven Klaassen, Chris Bowers caught up with him after that match. Raven, well done. I mean, that was a much more clinical win than any match you've played at men's doubles or mixed doubles this tournament. Yeah, um, it was funny. Uh, Michaela's coach actually said that uh, we played better than the previous match, and both of us felt that we weren't striking the ball as well, but when you're in control of the momentum the entire time, it certainly looks better, you know, even though it perhaps doesn't feel as good on the court. What's it like being in the quarterfinals of the mixed doubles? I mean, you've been, obviously, semi-finals of uh, the men's doubles, uh, finals of the men's doubles here. What's the comparison in terms of, does it feel like the same level of tournament, or does it feel like a slightly lower grade? No, it, uh, it, it's funny because to me it almost feels harder. I, I haven't had that much success in the mix before. You know, I've, I'm, it's a it's a higher grade formula that I have yet to work out. So, putting some consecutive wins together is certainly fun. And um, now it's now I'm in a position where you you sort of have to leave it out there and, and hope for the best. You know, but the doubles because you spend so much more time talking about it and, and planning and, and practicing it it, it, it seems more in control. The, the mixed doubles thing, you play four times a year and it, it, it's chaos half the time, and you hope that the chaos falls in your favour. Next round in the quarterfinals, you've got Abigail Spears and Juan Sebastian Cabal. Thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one. Um, Cabal and I actually shared a coach for a while, so we know each other quite well. So uh, there's not going to be many secrets out there. And uh, um, I look forward to uh, keeping our level up. And um, if we play the way we play today, we'll certainly have a good shot at that one. On to some cricket now. Proteus T20. Skipper Fahn Behadin says the team are working hard ahead of the series decider against Sri Lanka at Newlands in Cape Town tomorrow. The good news for the Proteus is that A.B. de Villiers will make a return to the green and gold following a long injury layoff. Behadin says having de Villiers back adds so much to the squad. Fantastic to have him back. You know, one of the best players in the world. Um, boosts our morale a little bit. You know, it's good for the younger players, uh, fresh faced players to, to learn off him. You know, he's such an experienced campaigner and, you know, his talent. Um, is, uh, is is awesome and you know for them to learn off him is is fantastic. The Proteas are coming off their first loss against Sri Lanka this summer, but the skipper says there are lots of positives to take out of Sat- uh, Sunday's loss at the Wanderers. The part that the guy showed uh, in the second half of the game at the boarding was fantastic to see. You know, such a um, inexperienced international side. You know, fighting tooth and nail. Even though we had such a low score, you know they. Um, Looking Giri put his hand up, you know, uh, Imanta, yeah, one of the season campaigners put his hand up. Yeah. We fought all the way till, till the last over, even in such a low-scoring game, you know. If we had gotten Angela Matthews uh, slightly earlier, we could have definitely pulled out that one out of the fire. Um, but uh, very, very, very happy with the performance. Um, yeah, and uh, hopefully we can hit them hard again come tomorrow. In news out of Australia, Sean Marsh top scored with an unbeaten 56 as the Perth Scorchers booked their spot in the Big Bash final after they beat the Melbourne Stars by seven wickets. On to rugby Lions flank, Warwick Tecklenburg has announced his retirement with immediate effects at the age of 30 to focus on his family's farming business. Sharks coach Robert Dupree has named fly-half Pat Lambie as the captain of the upcoming Super Rugby season. And in case you missed it earlier, Bernie Eccleston has stepped down after 40 years in charge of Formula One. 
one. The 86-year-old's been replaced by Chase Carey as chief executive. Former Ferrari and Mercedes chief Ross Braun returns to the sport in the newly created role of managing director of motorsports. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we'll chat some mixed martial arts. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, it's time to chat some mixed martial arts here on SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. And uh, a big deal being struck between the SABC and uh, Extreme Fighting Championship, more commonly known as EFC, to broadcast uh, bouts on uh, national broadcast. And we're joined now by the president of EFC, Cairo Howarth. Cairo, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on, on the show. Gary, EFC has been growing in leaps and bounds uh, over the years. Uh, this deal with the SABC to broadcast on, on the national broadcast, essentially, is uh, is huge for, for the sport in, in not just South Africa, but uh, on the continent and globally. Well, it's completely, yeah, that's exactly it. We're, we've been having a tremendous run up until now, year-on-year year growth every year, um, and this was certainly going to take it to the next level. There's no bigger platform in South Africa than SABC, um, and it's going to be fantastic for the sport and for EFC as a whole. Karen, let's just talk about the reach as it stands now, before this deal. I mean, the sport, people, I, I don't think people really understand how big this sport is and, and how fast it's growing. Talk to me about some of the numbers that you're currently reaching before this deal was struck. Uh, I mean, EFC is broadcast globally. We broadcast in over 120 countries around the world. So that's all the events that take place in South Africa that are broadcast worldwide. And we get massive ratings, you know, across from America all the way across to Indonesia and Singapore. Um, but now in South Africa alone, last year on television, EFC actually has almost 10 million viewers tuning in to watch. So it's, a, it's already a big number, uh, but we're excited about what we can do with SABC to push that even higher. Well, it's going to be broadcast on SABC3, the, the bout's taking place on a, a Saturday evening. So it's uh, prime time, essentially, on, on weekend viewing. And I think there's, if, if memory serves me correctly, Cairo, there's 10 annual events that uh, you guys put on which will be broadcast uh, as part of this deal. What do you think has been the success of EFC? Why, why is the sport growing the way it is? I think it's, you know, the actual sport itself, mixed martial arts, it's just really exciting to watch. It's action-packed, it's quick, instant gratification. You know, some of the fights are really quick with exciting knockouts. You know, you don't have to watch a whole... I mean, you know, uh, people like all different sports, but you can watch a whole 90 minutes of soccer and not see a goal. You know, that's not that satisfying for most people, whereas you can watch mixed martial arts and EFC and you can watch for a minute and see a big knockout or see an exciting submission or, or, or then you can watch a long 15 or 25-minute bout. But, you know, it, it, it really is exciting to watch. And the level of athleticism and skill shown by the athletes, I think a lot of people can appreciate. They have to be so well-versed in so many different martial arts and that the level of competition and the level of training and commitment that they put in is just so good that it's, it's, you know, people can appreciate that. The sport, I mean, you mentioned mixed martial arts, has almost got a, a cult-like status. I mean, the, the, the guys and girls that follow it are, are just absolutely rabid when it comes to the sport. And, and I think this deal with SABC will probably expose the sport to a lot of people who've, who've never really heard of it. So tell us about the first, the first bout that, or, or the first uh, tournament that's going to be broadcast on SABC. What can we expect? Uh, are the fighters lined up already? Who, who's who's going to be in action? Well, what's so great is we've got a weekly two-hour slot on Saturday nights, like you mentioned, plus uh, the peak broadcast on the Monday at 2 p.m. So it'll start broadcasting. It actually starts broadcasting on the 11th of February, where we play past bouts from past previous EFC events, and that'll build up towards the live, first live event of the year, which is on the 4th of March, 
and that will be broadcast live on SABC3 from 9 p.m. till midnight on the Saturday night, um, and then again repeated on the Monday at 2 p.m. So on that first event, which is EFC 57, we've got two huge title fights already lined up. Featherweight champion Edgar Cabeza is undefeated, facing off against former teammate and former featherweight champion Boyd Allen. That's a really, really exciting matchup. And then today we just announced in Kazimulu Zulu, who's a reigning flyweight champion, he's going to be facing off against the interim flyweight champion, JP Bay. So two great title fights, plus a host of other really big fights on the night. And obviously going out and watching these things uh, is one thing watching it on, on television, but being there in the, in the flesh is, is something else as well. The, the vibe is, 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 is phenomenal. Oh, it's electric. Yeah, it's electric. And, and what's exciting again about this year for us, we've announced a couple of new venues, so we're going to be touring between Carnival City uh, in Johannesburg down to Grand West in Cape Town through to the Super Bowl at Sun City. Um, then we're going to be going to Durban, Sabaya and Durban. We're going to be going to the new Pretoria Casino in Menland, Maine in December. Um, plus we're looking to add um, in Boardwalk and PE as well. So a host of new cities, new venues that fans across the country will be watching on, on SABC3. And then hopefully we arrive at a, a town close to them. They can come on experience a live event for themselves. Cara, as an athlete, how does one get on to a, a bill? Uh, what, what's the process from an athlete's perspective? How do you, how do you get into this and, and, and how do you become part of it? But, you know, as, with, as with all professional sports, you know, these guys are the best of the best. So you, it's, it takes obviously a lot of dedication and training and sacrifices that they've got to put in. Uh, but they've got to build up, generally they build up, uh, they have to have a, a background in martial arts. They build up an amateur MMA career. They get a good record. They've got to go apply for a professional license. It's a physical and a theory test. Once they've got that, then they can be considered for EFC. And we get the, we're very fortunate that we have such a great platform. We get applications every day from athletes around the world. So we really get to pick the best of the best. But if they meet that criteria, uh, then we sign them up for a contract and they come and compete and showcase their skills. It's interesting, too, you mentioned you're getting applications to compete here, but, but obviously the sport is global, and, and we've seen a, a couple of, of South Africans head overseas and, and do fairly well, and, and, and the first name for me that, that, that springs to mind is, is Soldier Boy. Uh, how, how's he going on the international stage? How's he, how's he faring? How's he com, uh, sort of uh, competing and, and, and stacking up against yeah. the, the international fighters? Yeah, he's doing great. Obviously, uh, he's got a couple of fights over there. One son, lost son. Uh, he's got his next bout that's coming up in March in Brazil. So we're obviously all supporting him and behind him and hoping he does us proud. But certainly the level of, uh, of the EFC athletes now is world class. We've said it for a while and now the guys are, are, are going internationally and, and proving that, you know, we're racking up the wins. There you have it. Uh, the president of EFC, Cairo Iwith, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening, Cairo. Much appreciated. We look forward to, to seeing the action live on SABC3 as well as the magazine program over the weeks and months to come. Oh, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Catch you. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. You're listening to SAFM Sports Trap. Don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch, you can via social media at SAFM Radio. You can also reach out to me personally at Big Brad Brown. On to some netball now. And president of Netball South Africa, Mimi Mtet, was hoping that the Proteas netball team can upset, uh, cause an upset rather, and win the upcoming quad series that's taking place in Durban. The third leg of the series, which features the Proteas, New Zealand, Australia and England, kick off, uh, kicks off on the 28th until the 31st of this month. The first two legs took place in Australia and New Zealand last year. 
The fifth-ranked Proteas will be the underdogs against Australia, who ranked first in the world. New Zealand are ranked second and England third. But the Proteas are coached by vastly experienced Australian-born 72-year-old Norma Plummer. From what happened in New Zealand and uh, Australia, uh, we, we could have a win. There could be upset and upset. We, we can never write our team off because they are under a very good um, a mentorship and coaching uh, from Norma Plama, who is who knows uh, you know these uh, three countries very well, and uh, our our coaches also are learning from from the experience of working with Norma Plama. So I'm not going to say we're going to win it because that would really be very ambitious on my part. I'm, I always say I'm not looking for a win, but I'm looking for improvement. And so far, I've seen improvement from 2015 at the World Cup in, in Sydney. I've seen improvement last year when we played in New Zealand and Australia. I'm hoping to see even more uh, when we come and play, when they come and play here in, in, in Devon. The, the team is capable of causing uh, an upset. So it's really up to them how they do on the day. But for me, as a probably president uh, Network South Africa, uh, I will look at how they perform against the big guns and I will just uh, make my own observations and comments on how they performed. If they win it, I will be over the moon. Even if they don't win it, if they perform according to what we expect, I will still be happy. Australia won the last leg in Australia, while New Zealand finished second, followed by England and South Africa. Three pro-tier players will go and play overseas immediately after the tournament. Captain Bongi Somi will head to England. Top goalshooter Lenise Portgita moves to New Zealand, and Kadla Mostert goes to Australia. There's an agreement between the countries to release the SA players whenever the country needs them. Mtetwa says this will hopefully improve the sport in South Africa. We, we are still uh, you know, developing players. Uh, developmental players as well as high-performance players. We're still in the process of making sure that we've got a pool of players that can uh, play uh, at international level. So it's very crucial for us to sit down with countries that are identifying our players and uh, giving them contracts to play in their teams. Uh, first of all, we, we, we make sure that the team where the player is going to play is a team that is better than all our player, our teams in South Africa so that they go and play at a high-level uh, competition. So what we, 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 we sit down with the countries and make sure that they understand and we put it as one of the clauses on the contracts that the players sign with the countries to say should we require that the player comes back and represent the country it should be that they should be able to, to release the player. We don't want a situation at present where a player like Lenis goes and then when we, we are playing crucial matches representing the country the player is not available because she's currently our top, our number one goal shooter. So that is the agreement that we have with the countries and they have accepted those uh, conditions. Fans in Durban will be treated to a bumper series which will also involve the under-21 teams from England, Zimbabwe and South Africa. Ntetwa says the three nations will be preparing for the under-21 World Cup tournament which will be held in Botswana later this year. At uh, the quad series, 
England requested to bring their under-21 team to play against our under-21 team because they want to prepare for Botswana, which uh, also came at the right time for us because we want to keep them busy. So the netball fans will be, will be spoiled uh, for, for, for choice when, in fact, when they go to them and they will come and watch uh, our senior team as well as the under-21s will also be playing against England, although those will be practice matches but they will be training against them. Uh, Zimbabwe also hearing that uh, England has requested us to, uh, to, to accommodate them. So England then spoke to uh, Zimbabwe and Zimbabwe also bought into the idea. So we might see three under 21 teams uh, just training against uh, you know, uh, one another. But that training is very crucial because it's three countries playing against, uh, uh, against an, uh, one another. So uh, that's another thing that we should mention. It's going to be happening during the time of the quad series because they've uh, uh, thought it would be proper for them to bring the, the under 21 team a single pint of blood can save three lives. Don't wait to donate. Share life, give blood. The SABC has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that's fair, and programming that is not harmful, does not amount to hate speech or violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the BCCSA, PO Box 412-365, Craig Hall 2024. That's the BCCSA, PO Box 412-365, Craig Hall 2024. Send a fax to 11 326 3198 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za. For more information, please visit bccsa.co.za. Interviews and debates to make you sweat. SAFM, keeping the temperature soaring all summer. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and uh, we spoke about it towards the end of last week, the South African Women's Masters that took place uh, in Rondebosch in Cape Town, and it was uh, a fascinating three days of golf. And one of the players who probably, according to herself, didn't play uh, as well as she would have liked, but uh, she's had an incredible year uh, last year, and I'm sure 2017 holds some great things in store. Lejean Lathwaite on to uh, SAFM Sports Trap this evening. Welcome, uh, Lejean. Thanks for, for joining us tonight. Yes, hi, thanks for having me. So looking at the year you had in 2016 and, and particularly the, the sort of events leading up to you turning pro, you had an unbelievable South African Women's Open where you uh, you finished second. Uh, you turned pro shortly thereafter. Looking at uh, the, the Masters this past weekend, you finished I think, tied for 19th. Personally, yeah. a result you disappointed with or were you chuffed? Uh, yeah, no, definitely a bit disappointed. Um I mean, uh, we haven't been used to playing in, in as much wind, but uh, that's no excuse. For, I mean, the, the weather's the same for every player. Um, I came down with a bit of flu, so I think that I was a bit, um, a little bit short of energy on the second round, but the game, um, I definitely could have performed a little bit better and looking on from that tournament. 
looking yeah. looking at at Kay Park, who who ended up winning it, uh, and and mm. her sort of quick rise to 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 the way she's playing now, that that must fill you with a lot of confidence. I mean, you've you've played with her uh, a fair bit as well, so that, I mean, her success is is almost your success. Yeah, absolutely. We played a lot last year together on the IGC tour, which is a mini men's tour. And, uh, yeah, we both came through the ranks there. She got a couple of second places. I also got a second place. Um, so, absolutely, I look up to her and as, you know, as um, a friend. And um, I'm so, so ecstatic that she got the win last week. Um, and, yeah, I hope to follow in her footsteps uh, this, this sunshine tour. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the the 2016 season that you did have. Obviously, that second place finish as an amateur at the SA Open must have filled you with a, with a lot of confidence. Turning pro, has it been has it been harder? Has it been easier than you thought it would be? Um, I wouldn't say harder. Um, I've loved every minute since turning pro. Um, uh, and I'm actually grateful that I'd stayed amateur for that SA Open. I was planning on turning professional before it, um, but that that didn't first plan um, but, but yeah it was a, a pinnacle of my amateur career so I'm really glad that I was able to, to win that Jackie Mercer trophy Let's talk about the importance of tournaments like the, the Women's Masters. It's been a while that it was on the, the golfing calendar. It's great to have it back. You mentioned the Sunshine Tour as well. It's, uh, it must be nice to, to be able to play big big events like that uh, here on home soil to, to give you the experience of, of playing championship golf Yes, absolutely. Um, I think I speak for all the golfers that we're so grateful for the sponsors, the, the additional sponsors that we've that have come on board this year. And um, yeah, as all the girls, I think will will look forward to, especially the FA Masters, um, because it's additional prize money and it's a, it feels like a much bigger stage, which is absolutely fantastic. Our reporter Lali Stunder was, was saying the, the amount of people that were, were out watching as well in Cape Town this past weekend uh, for mm. a, a lot of the players it was a, a new experience. How did you found the, find the support uh, playing playing in, in front of the, the, the gallery at, at Rondebosch? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. I mean the more the better, um, more exposure we'd love more people to come out and watch our, um, us ladies in South Africa play our golf Um it was wonderful having all the people out there. I also had one or two friends come down to watch me play, and I loved every second. Uh, the more, the merrier, they say, and us as golfers agree. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. John, talk to me about the uh, schedule from here on out, uh, looking ahead uh, in, in the new year, basically. What's, uh, what's on the cards for you over the next 12 months? Yeah, so I'm um, obviously going to see through the Lady Sunshine Tour with the final Chase Domestic Cup being played in the middle of March. Um, after that, I'm hoping to get into um, my first European tour event. Um, hopefully in April, um, there's a, an event in Morocco. Um, depending on how the seeding and that works, I'll be rearing to go for that one. What, 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 what's got to happen for you to, to get a spot in, the, in that tournament? Um, it all works on, on rankings. I think 120 players get in. Um, the top 18 last year's ranking from the European tour, I think we'll get in first. And then it will work on a um, tour school. So wherever you finished in, in Q school, uh, the last year's Q school um, that ran from uh, beginning of December to about the 23rd, um, I came I came 58th in, in the Q school, which wasn't. Um, I was hoping for a top 50, but there's still a chance that I'd, I'll get into this event. Um, hopefully, maybe get into four, five European tour events this year. Um, I'll be happy if, if that's the case.
Sean, tell me a little bit about where your sort of golf journey started. Where, uh, how long have you been playing? Uh, where, where did the interest come from? Absolutely. Um, I started when I was in grade, at the end of grade 11, actually. Um, didn't get to play in my matric year. Um, but it all started when I used to go and visit my cousins for, during the school holidays. They, they'd go out and play golf because they live on, on Centurion Golf Estate. So I'd go out and play with them, and it, and it kind of started from there. Um, yeah, I mean, after my trick, I, I took it up quite seriously and um, then started applying to go overseas uh, on a golf scholarship. So, yeah. Uh, your life hasn't, uh, as you said, I mean, you, you picked it up quite late, but you, you're pretty competitive in, in all aspects of your life. I'm, I'm presuming you've, you've sailed uh, sort of at, uh, at top level. South, you represented South Africa. You also played uh, senior level tennis and hockey growing up. So uh, sport and, and being competitive is, is in your blood, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's my nature. Yes. Um, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's playing table tennis, if it's poker with the family and friends, there's always a competitive edge to it. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I've, I've, I think a lot of um, the sailing that I did at a young age has took me a lot in life. Um, you know, you got to, it doesn't matter where you are in the middle of the ocean, you got to, you just got to keep going and, and stay strong because no one's, no one's necessarily going to help you. And um, I've kept that, that same quality in life. You just got to keep going and, and believe. My parents have taught me to believe in myself and, and reach for my dreams. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do. How much do you hate losing? <laughs> what on a scale of one to ten? <laughs> Twelve. Sean, <Well. laughs> I love that. Well, uh, yeah, best of luck, and uh, I hope the season pans out the way you want it to pan out, and uh, those dreams do come true. I'm sure they're going to, and uh, it's great to see South African women's uh-huh. golf flourishing in in South Africa. And all the best to you and 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 all the ladies who are playing. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. SAFM Sports Wrap. And that's about it for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, by the way, it is the talk shop with Naledi Maleo. Make sure you stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, just once again, that football tonight should be an absolute cracker. DR Congo up against Togo and Morocco taking on Cote d'Ivoire in the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations. And that group, uh, very, very wide open, if I have to be dead honest. And uh, lots can happen. Looking at top of the group uh, at the moment, uh, it is DR Congo on four points, Morocco's on three, Cote d'Ivoire on two, and Togo on one. So, not that I can see it happening, but if Togo has to spring an upset on DR Congo, uh, Morocco and Cote d'Ivoire are back in the mix. So, yeah, lots to play for there this evening. And then don't forget tomorrow night, uh, the Black Stars, they pretty much threw already Ghana uh, and Egypt through. But, uh, yeah, still some, some great football to come uh, in the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations as we head in towards the knockout stages and coming to you live on various SABC television and radio stations as well. That's about it. Make sure you stay in touch. Thank Thank you to my producer, Siobhan Chetty, this evening. Right now, though, it is 7 o'clock, and it is time for your news.